Nathan, do you think you can find me a, a publicist, maybe? Or, I don't know, you could be my publicist. You don't need a publicist. Don't need a publicist. Well, I have over a thousand downloads now, so, you know, this podcast is just, it's taken off. Got to get me more press. So. We're recording. We're rec- recording. You didn't say. Okay. All right. That's all right. Namaste, everyone. Uh, that's Hindi for hello, if you didn't know. All right. So go to your Zen room, find your center as we head into episode 10, Valerie Gets a Magazine Cover, directed by David Steinberg and written by, well, I can't even handle the excitement over this one. Uh, I'm so proud to announce writer, producer, genius, Jamie B. Harris. Oh, Jamie. Oh, Amy. Is it Amy? Amy oh, Amy B. Harris. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Amy B. Harris. Yes. <laughs> so writer, producer, genius of the comeback, Amy B. Harris. First of all, um, well, did you get my little thing I sent you? Oh my God. Yes. Thank the, you. We've been stuffing oh, okay. our faces with cupcakes. We okay, like wonderful. them. Valerie was a cupcake and now I'm going to be the size of a giant cupcake, but <laughs> it was worth it. They were delicious. But um, just because of uh, season two, I was thinking about sending you a ham, and I was like, Debbie, "You're not." <laughs> I was like, "Don't be crazy. She's not. She's not. Seth, she's not Seth Rogen." <laughs> well, really, you I mean, know, I'd eat a ham too. Yeah, but guys, I mean, her her TV history is epic. Um, aside from working on the best show of all time, as we know. The comeback Amy has wrote and produced on Gossip Girl, Sex in the City. She created the Carrie Diaries. Um, I, I actually brought up just my luck because I was talking about you. Know, and my friend Aram, she was like, I love that movie, blah, blah, blah. And um, it's funny because a, a new script I've been working on has kind of like that, which is bigger than ever now, the kind of astro- ast- uh, astrological, little zodiac, magical edge to yeah. it. And I was like, and I'd seen some Just My Luck stuff on Instagram with the fortune teller. And I was like, I need to watch that for inspo and get get back in the groove. Yeah, but, it was um, sort of Lindsay Lohan's first uh, foray into like adult fair and also sort uh-huh. of like being a kid while partying like an adult. So it was right. it was a unique experience. I wasn't on the set much. I wasn't on the set at all because I was actually working on the comeback. Um, but uh, Much more yeah. important. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Honestly, <laughs> no, yes. Um, also, real quick, I'm from Maryland, too. Oh, I don't where? know how... Um, like Catonsville, right outside of right outside of Baltimore. Yeah, My yeah. uncle has a salon in Bethesda, and I think it said you were near Bethesda. Potomac. I am. Yeah, I grew up in Bethesda. So, That's so funny. Oh, wow. Maybe yeah. my mom. Maybe my mom or sister goes to your uncle's salon. Right, Salon Nader. I don't know. <laughs> tell him. Tell him to sponsor it next time. Yeah, exactly. Um, so just before we get into the comeback, at least with, I mean, for your first gig to be a show as monumental as Sex in the City, uh, I mean, how did that? How did you, I mean, how did it come your way? Was it, did you go to New York from Maryland, obviously? Yeah, I went to college and then ended up in New York. And um, I actually, the Darren Starr's family and my family, we've known each other for years. His little brother and I went to nursery school together and our parents had been friends forever. Um, And I saw Darren briefly uh and he was starting to work on a show about like editorial assistants at magazines and i was working at vanity fair at the time oh wow! and he said can i come pick your brain one day and i was like absolutely and so i ended up going i he came into new york he was living in la he was doing 902 and o and melrose place and 
um, we had breakfast and I told him all about like what it was like to work at a magazine like Vanity Fair. And he was thinking about filming the show in New York. And I kind of didn't know anything about the TV business and how it works. But I said, I wrote him a letter because that's what you did. Then you didn't do email and mm -hmm. said, um, if you end up shooting this in New York and there's any opportunity for me to work on the show, I would love it. And he hired me as his assistant. And oh, wow. I worked on that show. And then uh, that was canceled after a year. And the next thing he did was Sex and the City. And I stayed on with him and I was a producer the first uh, year and a half. And then Michael Patrick King moved me over to the writing staff. I was writing on the side and he was, they were both actually very supportive and it was, yeah, it was fantastic. I got very lucky to start awesome. at basically like the, you know, learning at basically how to do this at like the top level. It was thrilling. That's awesome. Yeah. One of my friends was like, can you just ask her if she was broke up with on a post-it, if that's where that episode came from? And I was like, oh my God. I was not <laughs> broken up with on a post-it, thank God. But we did talk. I mean, it was sort of the, the, we were sort of the first ghosting of like text ghosting, I guess, with the post-it. Um, oh, wow. And yeah, we just talked about like what would be the most sort of like horrifying and like unsatisfying way to be broken up. And I... I actually think Liz DiCillo said, if someone broke up with me on a post-it, I would, I would smash some glass. And I was like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's the one. Yeah, it still makes people angry. Yeah. Um, so, so, I mean, 2004 and 2005, that's not too much time. Was there rumblings of the comeback as you were finishing your work on Sex in the City? So right as the show was ending, Michael and Lisa started sitting down and talking, probably in like February, March, something like that. We, I think we finished airing in February. And um, they just started having a discussion about like what they wanted to do next. And Lisa had this character that she did as like an improv, which was this sort of like B-list, almost C-list actor who used like, and how they would just go on a talk show to be seen and she had that voice already and the more they started talking about it uh i think they just understood it was a phenomenal idea and they yeah. quickly shot the pilot and michael called me and said do you want to come do this um and i had already sat down with lisa and chatted with her and so she was excited and yeah like the next thing i knew i was like on a plane, finding an apartment in LA because I lived in New York. And- um, oh, wow. so that was what did the switch, okay. Yeah, well, I went back to New York when the comeback finished thinking, oh, well, I'm gonna have to get an apartment in LA because we're gonna get a second season. Little did I know the second season was gonna come a decade later. <laughs> but oh, um, was... yeah, so I like was like suddenly like in a room ready to go. And I was well, very excited, obviously. Yeah, you talk about the way she was you know, doing the character for you, I was thinking, you know, for yourself as a writer, you're able to create a little better because you see what she's doing with Valerie and then you find these scenarios and think, okay, well, that's what Valerie would do. That's what Valerie would do. Because I was thinking going from Sex and the City to this so different, like it had to be a little hard to get that script, you know, down because it's the fake reality and the cameras, like it's a whole different... Because a lot of people think, is it improv? And it's not, you know, it's down, so calculated. It was not improv at all, really. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that was for, that was really Lisa's choice. I, I, I mean, she's so brilliant. She could have improv and it would have been amazing. But, right. you know, she and Michael were the head writers on the show. She was in the room every day, breaking story, writing scripts. Um, and she wanted she wanted to act. She did not want to improv. She wanted to find stuff in the room and be very. And what was so amazing and somewhat intimidating was the if you pitch something and she liked it, she sort of became Valerie. And then you suddenly realize like, oh, I have to be Polly G now and role play with her. And I'm mediocre. I'm a writer for a reason. Um, I'm mediocre. I mean, Michael was genius at the sort of stand-up comedian improv, like jumping right in. Um, Once I sort of, I gained some confidence. Uh, But you always knew she was finding the idea sort of interesting when she suddenly became Valerie and you were like, okay, I've got to perform the part of the PR person or perform the part of you know, Juna in this moment. So it was very, um, it was, it was scary, but really fun. Now, um, of course we're going to get into this episode, but about season two, episodes three and four. Well, first off, were you just so happy when you found out it was coming back? Was that just, I can't even imagine nine years. That was a thrilling, thrilling experience. I mean, that was one of those things where, I feel like I've been like this a couple times in my life, for better or for worse. TV was changing so much when the comeback came out that what was a success the year before, which however many people would watch it, we were on that verge of like people starting to DVR constantly and not have to Mm -hmm. be constantly, you know, uh, tied to the night. Um, And it felt like the comeback sort of suffered a little bit from that. Like, oh, the ratings aren't good. Well, people were in love with it and watching it and it was finding its following, but it was like people weren't watching it on the night. They were finding it maybe the next night or they DVR'd it. Um, And it always felt like a deep, like I sort of would joke, we were, Pauly G was HBO and we were Valerie Cherish. It was just like, oh yeah, no, we don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. Right. <laughs> um, exactly. There you go. But Casey Bloys always really loved the show and was trying to figure out ways to, I think always to try to bring it back. And then he, yeah, he like, I think, you know, he had stayed friendly with all of us, but I think he ran into Dan Bukatinsky at something and Dan, you know, we talked constantly about it. Michael, Lisa, mm-hmm. me, Dan, John Regi. Like, oh my God, wouldn't it be so funny if Valerie was doing this now? What would she be doing with, you know, dancing with the stars and all these like different things? And um, it's so, it, it just, Casey suddenly said like, if, if there's an idea, bring it. And when Michael and Lisa went in and pitched it, it was like, yeah, go. And it was so fast the way it happened because we were all on different projects Uh and it was like we basically wrote it I think in like two and a half months like I mean we just we were like writing as we were shooting and but it was so exciting because we were like I mean I was a grown-up I went from sort of being like a young writer who was like nervous writing a script and I was always very opinionated, Michael will tell you. I never didn't mm-hmm. say what I thought in a room. Um, but I was, I we I had gained a lot of confidence in terms of like being able to r- get a draft out in five days or this story isn't working. I need to think about how to retweak. Whereas before I would have been like, do I need to 
tell someone I'm tweaking because I don't want to, because I'd run my own show. I still knew it was Lisa and Michael's vision and like it had like, that's the true North for this show was their vision. But it was, it was really fun to just be able to kind of like be a little ballsier, I guess. And the challenge would be, I mean, I remember when I first started getting excited seeing articles, I think the green light originally just said six episodes. So then I think it became eight. And I feel like even with eight, you guys did so much, so much story. And that's, you know, that's, that's harder than even 13, 13 verse eight. You know, it's a lot less time to get it all Yeah, well, and it was six. And then we started shooting and three and four were like an hour. It was, that was three. Uh And episode four, like those two episodes ended up being an hour so those became three, four, and five. Yeah. We split them up sort of differently. And then the last episode was really long, but we just felt like we had lots of story to tell. And luckily mm-hmm. HBO was a place that was like, I mean, so many other places would have been like, you're, it's too long. What are you doing? Like cut it. Yeah. And they were mm-hmm. like, let's hear it at the table. If it works, you'll shoot that version. And that's what we did. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say episode three is probably the darkest of season two. And you did an incredible job because we go through this very awkward journey with her and the Seth Rogen situation and and the light at the end of it, you know, that I got you, Ginger Snaps. Like, it's just that's the biggest like breath of like, oh, my God. Like, you know what I mean? Because just just seriously. Bravo. Like, thank you. Yeah, there was. And then even. Yeah, there was just even like you know, having to cast those women, like the whole thing felt like a meta version of itself where it's like, I want, you know, we, I was in the room obviously as the writer and as a female, it was just, there was a lot of, and then Lisa was like, knew why we were doing it, but it's very painful to stand in a room and feel like you're objectifying other women Mm -hmm. while commenting on objectifying other women, obviously. But it was, it was, yeah, it was a very, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and then Seth Rogen is the hero. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. And then I'll just say that at the end of episode four, just that little nugget of, you know, after the suicide and the cop says the vow, yeah, that's usually what happens. You know, as soon as they clean their act up, then they start, you know, falling back into their old ways. And it, I think as a viewer too, you, that's where the suspense comes in. Cause you're like, Oh my God, like what's going to happen to her? Polly's losing it again or whatever. And, and yeah, it's just, it's just awesome. Yeah. It was, we definitely pushed the envelope uh, in season two. (laughs) Um, okay. So I promise you, this is the last question and then we're going into this episode. Okay. If we do ever have another return, do you think it could work as a show show? Like we've already had that inception or do you think it has to be back in that kind of tight, reality camera close thing or can we can we now see Val as we saw her in those final 10 minutes that's always I think been a little bit our like and we do still talk about the show and how we would like to come back and the different Mm -hmm. versions of how we could come back I mean I'm torn between a little bit the flea bag of it all which is like looking back at camera and waving goodbye and knowing like that's it folks like once Uh I said goodbye to you here and I think Valerie walking away from the camera was a little bit her saying like I'm gonna try to be somebody without needing this Mm -hmm. so I definitely think the real me 
If the, you will. Yes, exactly. Which now, is an episode of Sex and the City. That is correct. <laughs> Look at you. My God. Doing them all. Um, yeah, I think we could go completely into a show that just exists as a reality without a reality camera crew. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think Valerie can have real moments of um, enlightenment and then pretty quickly fall right back to the way she was. Um, Uh So I'm torn. Like when we have talked about it, I see two different versions. One where we're now just in a show and we're not sort of watching her responding to reality cameras. And then the other is that is a person who is too desperate for attention. And if that's the way she can get it, uh, she would. She'd have a podcast for sure. (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, gosh. She'd be way late to the game and thinking, Mm -hmm. like, I'm fresh. Like, nobody else is doing this. It's like, yeah, no, Joe Rogan just signed $100 million. I'm sorry, what? You know, she'd be shocked. Right. I know. I was joking about me. I was like, I need a publicist for mine. You know, I have over a thousand downloads. That's right. Yeah, you're ready. Kevin, you're ready. Thank you. Okay, so let's do it. This is one of the, if not, I think the funniest episodes. I think you capture the humor and ingredients that make the comeback the comeback. And I also think it's a perfect spot in the season because it's a little fluffier before we get into the, the meat of what's coming, you know, our way in the finale. So I think it's a good, a good reset. And, um, and yeah, let's do it. So we start with Val on the treadmill, right? Mm-hmm. And Jane's like, do you work out a lot? <laughs> <laughs> we can already tell that that's probably the answer is no, but she's on the camera. So she has to, yes. you know, she keep in shape, keep up with the news. Ah, you know, life, <laughs> life's so hard. And for then Val. the news is a red carpet. <laughs> right. <laughs> So her cell phone goes off. You're you're exactly right. And um it's a conference call for the comeback ad campaign. And uh but before that starts, Esperanza comes looking for her purse. And she's really confused and I love these details here. She's like, I always put my purse on the treadmill. <laughs> so like who knows the last time Valerie used That's that right. Treadmill. She hasn't used it in years. <laughs> that room nobody goes into. <laughs> so she's talking to the guys and she keeps she keeps getting their names wrong, of course. And, One uh, of them I named after my nephew, Zach Kirstein. I saw, I, okay, I saw Harris, so I was like, okay, that's awesome. Yeah, no, his last name's Kirstein. So okay. we did, Richard Harris is my nephew, and Richard Harris Kirstein is my youngest nephew, and Zach Kirstein is my oldest nephew. So I gave oh, them wow. both a little love. Little yeah. shout outs. Yeah. So, um, okay, so... Val hops off the treadmill and it's still running. And I, and this is again, when the camera is kind of a character itself, cause you know, we get that little shot of the, the empty treadmill still running. And um, at the same time, Mark's heading off to work, but I think he realizes he forgot something and what happens? He turns around and boom, fuck, 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 fuck. Oh God. And even, even in his pain, what was the treadmill doing? <laughs> right. Just like, I don't understand. This thing has never been on. So that, the treadmill actually happened weirdly, like maybe the when we started breaking this. So I got flung off of a treadmill at Equinox. Um, you know, I, I just went to step on it and someone had left it on and I went flying and was pretty much fine. And I was like going in to, I saw Mike Schur in the parking lot as we were going in and I was like, you're never going to believe what happened. And he's like, you're never going to believe what happened. 
and his wife, JJ, had been at Barry's boot camp. Someone left it on really fast. She got on it, flung backwards, broke, like she was in surgery that morning. And I was like, okay, oh you gosh. win. <laughs> um, so it was like directly ripped from our lives. It's funny because I've been to Barry's and I think about what they say where they're like, don't, they're, they're so strict about when you get off, it's like, turn off your treadmill. Like, Probably because well, of what really happened so to So that JJ. must be it, yeah. <laughs> Because she had to have surgery on these fingers and have her, they were engaged and have her like her engagement ring, like cut off. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oof. So. So, so then Esperanza's like, she was working out, like, you know, all, all clueless about it. And, um, I think she goes, she's, she goes, Phil, help me get up and help me get him up. And he's like, I'm Al. She's like, Al, this isn't about you right now. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's one of my favorite, uh, Valerie's is that she totally gets people's names wrong and then blames it on them. I've been doing that for I've been doing that for all my guests, and I'm always like, should I should I warn them? But it's it's the best part of totally. my intros. So, so um, and then of course, even still, he's suffering, and she's like, oh oh god, I hung up on the whole marketing team. Like he's like, what the hell are you talking about? Like we need to get to the emergency room. Yeah, and Damian Young, he's just so good. He's so good. No matter he what is really truly like. so special. It's outrageous. Yeah. Mm. So Val's in the ER. And we only see her from the window because Jane and company are not allowed in. And we find out that he broke three fingers. And um, so this is interesting. It's, it's really kind because Jane says, do you want me to come sit with you? And, and, and she means it. And then, of course, Val's too concerned about losing the footage. Like, oh, God. Like, and what kind of reminds me of earlier, I think, when Juna hasn't arrived to lunch yet. Val's like, do you want to have lunch with me? And she's like, I'm working. But you know, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's no, just, it's yeah. a real moment of kindness on Jane's part that is real. And mm-hmm. I love that, you know, Valerie can hear it. But at the end of the day, it, she was like, this is good. Like, it sucks that my husband hurt himself, but this is this will be usable. <laughs> good reality. Yeah. So there's no cell phones allowed. And then, of course, that's fine, too, because Jane says you have your mic on. And um, she's excited because she sees baby girl, Juna, in the Us Weekly or whatever, TV's fashion, It Girl. Yeah. Because I was on my, because I was right. TV's It Girl, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, back at home, they're walking in and Mark's just like high as a kite on Percocet. And he's still going on. Why was it on? Yes. <laughs> Val's like, I was working out. You don't work out. And she says she's not going to discuss this while he's, while he's on the Percocet. And um, I love the, again, these little slice of life moments. We walk in and we see Esperanza's on the phone, you know, eagerly awaiting them. And she's like, Mr. Mark, how are you? And the first thing he says is, Esperanza, how often does Val work out? Yeah, he can't get off of it. He cannot get off of the conversation. (laughs) And that might be the best shot. Her face is just like, I do not want to call her out, but she's pretty much saying, yeah, never. She's like, okay. So they're walking up to bed and he's, he's still persisting. And um, so we're back on set now and Val brings the magazine clip, you know, which he thinks is such a cute big deal. And before we know it, uh, we find out Juna's actually on the cover of Rolling Stone. But still, Juna's still excited and sweet over, over the magazine. And um, I, okay, so this is funny. That's Flo, the lady who plays Flo, the, the insurance, the progressive, right? Yes. Yeah. And I was thinking about it recently and I couldn't remember if we cast her pre-flow or post-flow, but I think it was pre-flow. 
Yeah, and her name was Carolina. Yeah. So obviously she's she's done well for herself since the comeback. Yes. And she's um made a fortune in commercials. So this part is very important and sweet. I think um she says the pool quote for the magazine is uh you have the hottest white ass in Hollywood. And it's like, oh my God, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Valerie's like, well, you know, if you ever need her, you need me to say something for her, I promise I'll mention more than just her ass. That's and I right. Love, I love that too. It's very sweet. Yeah. And um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, I never really noticed this until this watch. When Tom comes in and he says to Peter, he's like, got any bikinis we need to approve of for this week? Like, that's kind of, and that's before he sees everybody's even there. So that also is, again, playing into you know some of the the objectification of juna yeah exactly yeah Yeah. totally i mean and tom being like the sweet version of it and obviously Mm -hmm. polly g being the more and yet polly g is so sweet like that moment like eats like that and looks like this like Uh he's so sweet like he doesn't actually feel lascivious in any way which is something that i when we sort of found that i thought was very interesting because of course you're thinking he's going to be a creep, and he's actually not. Right. And, of course, it's, Valerie almost would rather him be a creep because it means he's mean to everybody. But That's it's right. like, no, look at him glorifying yes. this cover. And then she's just bobbing her head in. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, it's great for the show. I I, I, I keep saying I need to do more press. You know, got to get more magazine <laughs> covers. Got to be so about she, me still somehow. <laughs> so, of course, Juna's sweet and oblivious as always. And she's like, Val, you should talk to Carolina because, you know, you're both smart women. And, and Valerie's ding, 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 ding. Oh, great idea. You know, let, let's set up a meeting and she's just kind of like okay you can tell she's just being nice for no Gina. but i have to be nice now because juna's nice and carolina <laughs> we named her actually we have a very close friend who's a very t- talented publicist named ina tresiokas and so it was a little bit of like a nod to her oh yeah yeah i love it i love yeah. these little easter eggs you're telling me so um we cut to the waiting room of flash pr and oh my god valerie's top like she probably spent hours <laughs> picking that out. Tom, Tom Broker, who is our uh, costume designer for season one, is a genius because those are—they're so specific and yet tell and tell you everything and yet feel so real. Like mm-hmm. I, whenever his he puts her in something, I was always like, yes, it was very exciting because yeah. that top is talk- a lot. <laughs> yeah, I was talking about that last week. Yeah, because I, I I need to find it, maybe get a hold of him and see if he wants to have a chat. But yeah, they were saying how, you know, they're the Valerie tops that he, you know, created and stuff like that. I think that's, it's, I think on the surface, it seems like there's simple wardrobe and it's not, you know, it's much more, oh, yeah. much more intricate. And um, so, yeah, so she's thinking she's looking young and sexy. She's been waiting a while, but she's like, it's okay. It means she's busy. And I love that Mickey's like not having it. He's like, no, punctuality, this and that, you know. Yeah. And um, it looks like it's at the Standard Hotel or outside of the So standard? it's actually at Michael's, uh, Michael Patrick King's offices. Oh, wow. Um, okay. We shot, those were what we were using as our writer's rooms when we first started up until we moved onto the Paramount lot. And then he still had offices there and we actually used the offices and that parking, walking up to that parking lot was his and it is right across the street from the standard. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So then, yeah. So they're talking about Val's magazine covers from Red Book to Cigar Aficionado, ran the whole gamut. And um, I think that was a definitively a Lisa thing with like 
my hair up real different. Like that was, I would never have written, like I could never have been so genius to have written that. So it was, that was definitely Uh like a Lisa special. Yeah. I'll bring that up again later, but yeah, when they think that the hair is different and you know, Oh my God, I know that's um, one of my faves. So, okay. So yeah. So she's like, I think me and you should give this a go, you know? And she's like, oh, that'd be great. But, you know, my partner and me, (laughs) we aren't taking on any more clients at this time. And the camera just zooms in on Val's face like, "Uh, uh, okay, like immediate, awkward, oof face. And And humiliating because I'm right here being rejected. Right. And we only take one or two clients a year and we really try to stick with up and comers, you know, which is that jab. And um, I only sort of did this meeting as a favor to Judah. And it's just that immediate switch. Uh, I didn't think it was a good match in the first place. I didn't want to hurt Judah's feelings. Like, it's just it's amazing. She's very good at twisting on a dime uh-huh. to whatever makes her look better. Someone else in mind anyway. So <laughs> Yeah. And then, of course, we're, we're following her. It's really awkward. She's leaving. And again, more defenses. She's like, uh, did you hear that? My partner and me should be partner or not you know your yeah. publicist is your spokesperson they should know how to speak so it's actually a genius <laughs> thought like i uh-huh. always love and appreciate how like she's not wrong that is your spokesperson uh-huh. and it's funny because uh-huh. i ended up marrying after the like hadn't met him yet somebody who like that would if i had said something like my partner and me he would have like broken up with me probably so oh, you wow. know you got the grammar police and Valerie's one of them. And that's a surprising uh-huh. thing, funnily enough for her, I think, but like kind of real, like that's stuck yeah. with her. Like, that's not right. It makes sense. Yeah. yeah Cause the way she calculates things. So Mickey's like, how'd it go? And she's like, you know, not a gal's gal, you know, some women are threatened by you know, <laughs> strong women. And, um, this is, this is my favorite. Didn't want to say anything red, but anyone with hair like that, uh-uh, no Rush fire. <laughs> exactly. So um, she's like, got to get me a publicist. You know who's great? That that adorable publicist on it. And um, she's like, Ryan. And Mickey's like, who? And, she, and you know, she's going on and on. And he goes, Lou, <laughs> which I love. Right. Again, like, back it's to so the close. Name thing. Lou and Ryan yeah. are so <laughs> close. She's like, well, that was our thing. Because he looked a little like Ryan O'Neal. And Mickey's like, no, he did it. <laughs> so she's like, um, he got me. I think it's because he was gay. He got the nuances more. Got to get me a gay, Mickey, you know. And um. Amy, I swear this is literally the best bit like of the whole series. It's, <laughs> and she, why don't I just call Lou? Oh, Red, he died in '94, I think. Oh, did he have no hit by a car crossing bar? Oh, good. <laughs> Great news, <laughs> terrific, tragic, Not violent good. death. Great. <laughs> so, it, I mean, I again, I just that. That's a genius, genius bit. Because I really think that is the comeback right there. Yeah. You know, the the, the dark and light and it's... Yeah, and it's, the it's funny, amazing. like, you could possibly hear yourself saying that, except uh-huh. you wouldn't. <laughs> Only Valerie would. Yeah. Yes. No, I know. That's one of my favorites, too. Like, that's a relief. Died a violent uh-huh. death. <laughs> Versus the alternative, yeah. So here we finally meet Billy, played by Dan Bukatinsky. Now... Did he become a producer after, or was this something, or he became a fan of the show, or what? No, so Lisa oh, no. and Dan were uh, partner producing partners, and okay. so he was a part of the project from day one, 
and okay. was acting, but not. This is what Michael is so genius at finding people who are like just knowing he'd be hilarious in that part and like really mm-hmm. understanding like like and Dan was definitely acting but not a ton and mm-hmm. Michael was like I want to write a part for Dan and I think I know exactly what it's going to be and then of okay, course perfect. you know Dan's gone on to have a big acting career but he's a writer producer also now he didn't write got on him, the show got himself but, an Emmy yeah and then he won himself yeah. an Emmy as an actor yeah I mean mm-hmm. but he is uh yeah, he's a brilliant producer and a brilliant writer. He didn't write on the show, but he did produce the show with Lisa. Okay. Yeah. So they're they're hitting it off, and he's like, you're hilarious. You know, so Valerie's just, she's already in heaven. You know, this guy giving her everything. And um, Mickey's distracted by the, the two buff guys that are sitting nearby. G.I. Joe. And um, he asks about goals, and she's like, okay, number one, want to do a Leno. And he's like, perfect. I know the guy who books it. And that's and, um, a little bit of our uh, nod to what we're coming to in the finale. Foreshadowing. Yes. Yeah. Foreshadowing where we're going there. Mm-hmm. And, um, okay, so then she's like, okay, magazines, let's see Valerie outside of that running suit. Uh, don't get me wrong, it's hysterical, but you're a beautiful woman. And she's like, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yes, you get everything, not just me, the world. <laughs> and oh billy you're you're really something but then when she discovers that he actually left the agency that you know PMK, yeah with, it's like you know womp womp you know <laughs> that he's like seven other people came with me and i think he starts saying names like josh scott and she's just like i don't know i mean valerie doesn't even know who brad pitt is you know she's probably yeah know she, she knows probably only a list and anybody like top, else top, top, top. Yeah, yeah she's like anybody else is below her even though she's probably below most of those people but in her mind she's brad pitt jennifer aniston yeah yeah so then um this guy starts, I, I like that Jane calls him a looky-loo. This guy's at the window, kind of like, you know, ruining the shot and being annoying. And um, That's and then, one yeah, of my really- favorite moments in the show, like when we acknowledged like the challenges of, like we did that with the ER where it's like you're not allowed in and no cell phones and shooting from far away. But I also love like, yeah, people start staring in windows and it's just a great funny way to both sort of remind the audience of like what's happening like, yeah, mm-hmm. this is a weird reality show being filmed, and this is the real things that happen in the raw footage. Right, because that's, that's not what we, we don't see that for, no. for yeah. everything else. So, okay. Um, yeah, so Billy goes out there and, like, shoves the guy, you know, and I think that's what changes Valerie's mindset. She's like, all right, never mind. You know, this guy's going to fight for me. Yeah, so that's, I think you know, she was going to take him anyway because she's probably calculating, is anybody else going to take me? But uh-huh. she was able to sell it. Once he showed so much passion, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> but little did we know, even if we go into season two, some of the anger problems that, that he's going to have. He's unstable. He didn't get, <laughs> he didn't get fired because he wasn't not promoted because he was too old. He, he has some, he has some, uh, anger stability issues for sure. <laughs> yeah. Plus Eva Longoria had probably just left him. That's right. right. She Sherry, that's right. That's exactly <laughs> probably when this was going on. So back at home, Val is uh, bringing Mark some lunch on the couch. And, you know, she's so cute. Like my pleasure treasure. And, and she's like, Mark, is, is that my, what Simon Pierce carving for? Yes. Or something? And yes. he's like itching inside his cast. And uh, she's helping him cut up the salad. And he's, 
being a smidge needy, like not not too much, but he's uh, a, he's but, more than a smidge needy in that moment for me. <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> I th- I think he asks for do we have those pepperoncinis? Pepperoncinis, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, but she's on the phone with uh Billy by then because he calls about having the magazine and she walks away like married him for better or worse, not for lunch. So that was and, my um, dad's favorite thing to say to my mother about my mom. <gasps> Because my oh. dad was a bit of a workaholic and people would be uh-huh. like, when are you going to retire? And he would say, Susie married me for better or for worse, but not for lunch. So that was <laughs> something that I always oh, wanted awesome. to use. Yeah. Yeah. So that's forever in there. And then, um, so yeah, so we got Val a cover and she's like, be yoga. I never <laughs> heard of that. And um, it, it has a hip trendy skew. Oh, we love that, you know. And um, she's like, I can just take one class and just be right up to speed. Get, get you know? back up. Yeah, <laughs> sure. And then you can already tell Mark's eavesdropping and he's like, you don't do yoga. And yeah, like, it's like, yes, I did, Mark. At yes. that prana place. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines when she says so that. Because it's like saying prana just sort of allows you to maybe get away with saying you did take right. yoga. <laughs> exactly. You know the name of the place. And then she just slams the jar down and goes, here, your pepperoncinis. <laughs> He's like, thank you. So um, after that, we're in her personal video diary. This is probably her best personal video diary of, of, of the whole season. For sure. And she's relaxing in the bathtub. And this is like little philosopher Val, you know, coming right. in. And, um, you know, I don't remember the exact quote, but she's like, you know, talking about that. We're, we're all on that dangerous treadmill that keeps you going yep. and running to what? <laughs> From, From what? what? <laughs> so I've decided to let it all go. Focus on the inside. Focus on what's really important. Me. <laughs> Myself. That's what's important. Good for you, Valerie. Good lesson. Mm-hmm. Really is. And uh, Mark interrupts that he needs help opening his pills. And it's so cute because she's like, okay, and you know, there you go, all better. And once she's like back in in place, we hear the he drops them well, all. Right my favorite that. thing she does is gonna leave a pause for editing <laughs> for edit. <laughs> because the reality is, you know, they're putting all of that in to make her look stupid. But uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so then, yeah, she drop. Then he, she gets out, and he's like, "You're wearing a bathing suit." She's like, "I don't do nudity." <laughs> Yeah, she was like, even, no, there wasn't even a, she wasn't even taking the risk that she would have a nip slip. Uh-huh. So then we're in, seeing the prog- progress with the designer who's doing the Zen room for her. And um, I just love that we see Esperanza in the background, like, what the hell's going on? Like, you know, just having her move. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, where, where do I, where do I, yeah, where do I put the scrabble? Scrabble, dear. Scrabble, dear. Yeah. <laughs> So Val says he's also designed Goldie Hawn's room. And he's like, I prefer not to discuss my other clients. She's like, oh, sure, sure. Right. Yeah. But that's where she keeps, um, he, she keeps saying her name. And I think she said, I heard that's where she keeps her Oscar. <laughs> oh, it's just because I'm considering you're the same thing with my people. Yes. For <laughs> an award just as worthy. <laughs> oh, God. So she's picking between the three different Buddha, Buddhas, Buddha, whatever Buddha. you're more comfortable with. Yeah. Um, but the price comes into play because Mark walks in and um, it's funny. I think I think Adam, the designer, goes, oh, what happened? He goes, I fell off a treadmill. And he goes, working out? And he goes, sure. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, now he's now he's sober off of the Percocet. Yeah. So he's like, I know uh-huh. I'm not going to get into this with her again. Right. Sure. That's what happened. So um, so I think for the, the statue she wants, uh, 
I think he says it's 12,000 and Mark's like, uh, no. And he's, she's like, you can't put a price on spirituality. And she's like, yes. He's like, yes, I can. Like, sure and, can. Um, 12,000. Right. So I think there was one that she said, well, that one's kind of scary, but it's only $1,500. <laughs> so uh, that's it. probably going to, yeah. And, um, and then, yeah. So he, like you said, he's sober now. Cause Val's like, we agreed to this. You know, he's like, I said, $50,000, you know, it's just it's such a crazy number. Right. You're just, just like, that's to... a huge number. Huge. And <laughs> just yet... for her magazine shoot. Sure. What she has to uh, do to get a magazine cover, she has to pay for it. Uh-huh. So Val, okay, no, Esperanza finds a box, right? And it's all those, <laughs> all those posters. And we're like, so... what is the poster? I right. like that we didn't show it then. <laughs> exactly. But Val's brain's going, okay, here's here's my my chance to not one up Juna, but show the you know, everyone that I'm just Yes, a, a I was user. once Juna. Mm-hmm. So I think she tells Juna she's gonna be on the cover of B Yoga. And of course Juna's excited for her and she said she's never done yoga. And uh Val invites her to the session on Saturday and she says, Yeah, come on, Mickey's joining. And I love this. Mickey goes, We'll see. <laughs> A couple months ago, I made a meme with that. It was, um, uh, you know, just that typical quote, like, oh, I'm sure the virus will be gone by July. Yeah. And then it says, Nikki going, we'll see. We'll the see. Virus going, we'll yeah. see. Not happening. <laughs> so she reveals this poster, and it's like an old sexy pic of Val, and pretty much unbuttoning her blouse and, and all that. And this, like I said, I can't handle this. Check out that hair. So 80s. It's the exact same hair. That's my favorite now. thing. It's like you're on the poster and then you go right up to her and it's like, and that's something, I don't know how much you want me to go into stuff like this, but that's something to, no. that was so tricky about the show, which was, and, the, and why you could do 40 takes and only one was right. Because okay. the camera operators had to sort of become part of the storytelling. So mm-hmm. if you went so 80s and you were already up here, too fast, then the joke wasn't there. It's like mm. watching the camera guys catch things that weren't supposed to be seen is right, what made right. those scenes so funny. So sometimes the choreography would be such that they would whip too fast to the the look that was supposed to be like catching Valerie. So it's like, it was almost like better when you barely caught her look as she tried to cover. But so doing that was a real choreographed dance. So was that something you would write in or you would at least put a note that like, we're going to have to, again, choreograph this? Or, yeah, because that's like you said, it's a whole other character. That's really like, uh, well, our DP was also one of the camera operators. So he was always very aware of what was needed. And then when you tone with your director, we would talk a lot about what we wanted from that scene. So like, this is a moment, in that example, it's it's a sort of easier one because it's just a pan up, but it's yeah. like, we obviously want to be on the poster and the hair and then hear so 80s and then just slowly drift up a little bit. Don't make too much of a big deal of it and then walk away from it. Uh-huh. So it was Gosh. definitely a dance where sometimes yeah. it would feel like we'd watch it and we'd be like, is it, why isn't it funny? And then it would be like, okay, the ca- and like after a take, and then it would be like, okay, the cameraman got to the beat too fast or too slow, and there's three cameramen running around, so it's like it was always about sort of finding the line, I guess. And but once you had the right take, you always knew what was the take. Like yeah. that was what was kind of amazing. Like you'd be like four in and be like, we have it, 
And unlike in another show where you're sort of shooting take after take, and it's like, I like this beat from that, you know, from take one, and this beat from take two, this beat from take four. Here, it's like the sway of it is what you're really chasing every time. So you kind of knew that's the take we're going to be like, we could almost immediately circle the takes we were going to use and then move on. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, because that really ties into what I always discuss about how it's such a great show to rewatch because those are the little things you don't notice on the first time around. That's right. What the camera is showing you, what it's saying. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. So, okay, so then, okay, so yeah, Peter goes, Aunt Sassy, you nasty. <laughs> like talk. And uh, I, th- and I talk- think that was a Michael line and it still makes me laugh to this day. <laughs> So Tom and Polly walk in and Juno's like, you guys have to see this. Like, so here's Val's little hopeful moment of, of glory. And uh, Tom's like, Val, you had a rocking body. And Polly's like, again, I don't, I don't think he's, I don't think he's checking Val out, but he's, his brain is going, I cannot believe her. Like, you know, she really is, you know, pushing this on us because yeah. of what Juno's, Success is if that if that makes sense. It's and just, he's he's not surprised. No, he's sort of like, of course, this woman would try to you know show off, and and yet weirdly, I think there is some sort of weird like when she says sexual tension, like I yeah, yeah. kind of <laughs> buy that maybe he was also like like he has some weird thing for like yeah. you know in the season two, his writing Kevin is a Lutz, lot about yeah. like his sexual oh, feelings sorry, yeah. for her. Mm-hmm. And so you have to wonder like in this moment, like, oh, maybe like he's kind of gro he he seems like the type of person who would be absolutely gro grossed out and find somebody grotesque and because of that somehow be attracted to her because he finds himself grotesque. Right, right. No, yeah, that's and that's the thing. It's like both seasons have have their merits, but yeah, I think that's what I'm excited about in season two. I feel like that whole dynamic makes you wonder, yeah, what like for instance, her audition speech, like that might have really happened, but we didn't see it. You know, we didn't see it on the comeback. But what 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 was happening, especially watching season two and then watching season one again, it does make you just think like what's happening that we're not seeing yeah. that's a lot yeah. more. I don't want to say sinister, but yeah, a little more, you know, hard, hard, hard. Well, and hard it's all in Polly G's mind about the destructive, you know, that show probably killed him and Tom for a few years in the mm-hmm. business. And it's like, who, who, who do you blame? You don't blame Juna. You blame yeah. Valerie Cherish, the pain in the ass, you know, Sela star who suddenly made herself feel like, you know, she made herself the number one on the call sheet every day. Exactly. So, um, so now they're doing, they're at the house doing yoga and, oh my gosh, I guess back to Tom Broker, Mickey's get up here. It's just this, like, <laughs> I don't even know what it is. It's just perfect. It's like a <laughs> sun hat and a schmada. It's, it's everything. It's everything. And, um, I think the, the instructor's like kind of slowly realizing that Valerie, you know, hasn't done yoga in a while. And but can't relax. We, yeah. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. See. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Cannot cannot let go. Cannot yeah. let go of control. That's her yeah. whole thing. Everything is mm-hmm. about how she's appearing and seeming and, and locked yeah. muscles. That's her whole life. So mm-hmm. being told to meld into something, no way. And Juna's like, oh, this is hard. I don't like. 
rates a child's <laughs> pose. And Valerie is like, I, that's defeat. Child's pose right, is. Yeah. And then Mickey's just like, I don't need a written invitation because she's like, you can step away from it. Yeah. Bye-bye. So there's a little moment of um, maybe, you know, her getting into it. Because, yeah, I think the, the construction guys are being loud. And Jane's like, Valerie, you know, they're making noise. She's like, Jane, just let it go through you, you know. And she's yeah. like, well, then we can't use it. Oh, never mind. Right. Well, then forget that because this, this is definitely going in the show. So I got, oh. I got to shut these guys up. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think the instructor, her name's Mia, when, when Valerie says, you know, I've got, I, I, I don't have time to just accept where I am. I, I have to shoot a magazine cover. And she's like, you're going to be on the cover of a yoga. <laughs> just like, holy the way she shit. Says that. She's like, Jesus, we have work to do. She suddenly goes from spiritual to just like, oh God, practical. Like, this is ridiculous. We got to right. find an easy pose for her. And what's, what's the one pose that's probably the easiest? Tree pose is where we are next. The photographer's arrived, and Valerie's in, like, a very half-assed tree pose. And it's it's not really working. And I think the guy's like, I thought you said she can do yoga. And Billy's like, yeah, she's doing yoga. That's, that's yoga right there. Oh, a little fun tidbit about that. Mark Gerard, who played the sort of stylist of the photo shoot, um, uh-huh. is Tom Broker's partner, the costume oh, designer's cool. partner. Yeah, he's also oh, wow. he's an actor and yeah, and a writer. That's yeah, that's awesome. So um, yeah, she goes. I practiced this effing pose all night. Woke up, couldn't move. <laughs> so this little huddle with Mickey, he says he's gonna rub. Uh, the Buddha's belly for luck. And just, just before we get to the next step, she says she already took six Advil. <laughs> and um, the photographer is getting heated. And then Billy and him start fighting. Just like earlier at the restaurant, Billy freaking shoves him. And Valerie's like, no, no, this is the place of peace. And from 50000 to, she goes, I didn't spend $63,000 <laughs> to have it all busted up, okay? So just give me a minute to find my center. And then, yeah, Mickey comes back over and she whispers, uh, give me a few of Mark's Percocets. <laughs> she goes, three. <laughs> <laughs> and again, like you said, with the camera, there's this little quick, like, she looks up at the camera like, shit, they probably saw that, but I don't know. Yeah, don't but care. I need this. I need this more than I need them not to know because I won't get this cover. Like, at this point, mm-hmm. I'm willing to admit I'm going to take three Percocet in order to get through it. Uh-huh. So then I love it because the next shot is just no in between. It's just right. At the, she has the cover and she's putting it into her little journal with her other stuff and um, it's so cute it turned out great and I love that I, I kept pausing it the ladies home journal <laughs> cover like those are the things that make Valve just feel so much more than a character just so real totally. think, oh, that's a magazine you know I've seen that yeah before. and that we really loved kind of going for all of those props like to us mm-hmm. those were so important to sort of flesh out who she was she has books and books of her press clippings. Like, so you have to do the press clippings. Like all of that stuff is stuff that makes it feel real as opposed to Mm -hmm. sort of just looking at this one cover. Yeah. And then um, I like this because Billy calls and says, did you see the Us Weekly pick? And it's it's not a picture of Val, but it's so cool that up and comer Juna. It says it says Juna on her way to uh, Valerie Cherish's house. Her friend, like I think that's a very nice moment. It's like it kind of like the work paid off, you know? Like yeah. okay, like she's cool. getting attention even if it's adjacent attention. But she no, can't help um, but saying like I think I greeted her at the door. Start looking right, at so other <laughs> magazines. <laughs> yeah, that's probably one of me there. Yeah. So um, one of these last details I love. Esperanza walks in. Where does she put her purse? 
On the thing that will never be used again, the Buddha Buddha. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, we, I think we knew we wanted to, like, we had that idea of, like, the workout machine that nobody ever uses, so people just start putting their stuff on, and then, of course, just the wink and nod to that's what's going to... And that's, like, another time where the camera sort of follows us bronze, and right. we see where... And then goes back, but, like, right. in such a subtle way that you know... You, the audience knows that she's never going to use this room ever again, except to maybe mm-hmm. put clippings of magazines in. But it was worth the sixty-three thousand to get the mm-hmm. cover. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. All I'll say is, on the next episode, we got Val heading to the Golden Globes. Oh, excuse me. Hey, gang. Uh, just chiming in from post. I said, I said Golden Globes, and it's it's people's choice. So just had to make sure you know that I know what I'm talking about, because you know I do. But okay, back to your show. And um, um, I'm pretty sure, I think um, Bane Gibby said she's, I, I contacted her and I think she's going to do the next episode oh, with me. that's great. Yeah. That's I think so I'm, great. That'll be so much fun to yeah. talk to you about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with that's her awesome. dress ripping and all that stuff. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> that, that dress was, the inspiration for that dress was, I forget who, I think it was maybe Gail uh, King wore a dress. And then when she got to the party, like somebody who knew the designer said, you're in it backwards. And she was like, what? Oh my God. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Like didn't know. <laughs> um, and that always made us laugh. But yeah. Oh, that's so, I'm so glad Bane's doing it. She's the best. Yeah, and I was I'm so, excited. we were able, like the fun of sort of having her play for the season two, the sort of wildly successful showrunner, but who's still kind of deeply oh, I know. I so fun. Recently so watched. Yeah, I rewatched her scene in season two recently, and it's just, it's un- incredible. Yeah. The, the work she does there, and also just, yeah, what it says, what it yes. says in general, and what it says to Val. But, um, but yeah, Amy, thank you. So oh, fun. thank you so much. This was so fun. I hope I did okay. I feel like, oh, uh, you, you did know. amazing. Okay. You know, I've, had, I've, had, I've had guests who are in the industry and fans, but you're my first guest, really affiliated with the show so it's a dream come true oh god i'm so glad Devin. it was really fun and i love how much you love the show valerie you know i was talking to michael about it yesterday because i was telling him i was coming on to do this and it's like the show for us is such a labor of love so the feeling that people love it and are focused on it's really it's it's the best and in hindsight it's it's what makes it special is those nine years in a weird way i mean for fans that watched it together, one and two, I'm sure you obviously felt the emotions, but because there was such a gap and I loved it so much since back then, it was it was very, very powerful. Yeah. And that's why I was joking last week. I said, when I'm done season one, I'm going to come back and do the second season of my podcast nine years later. Perfect. <laughs> so I love it. Yeah, you got to no, have nine years of perspective. <laughs> got to have it. No, not nine years, but maybe when maybe, we're allowed to. Maybe, maybe three see months. Each other in person. Yeah, yeah, maybe exactly. three, six months, something like that. That feels like uh-huh. enough. Every day now feels like a year. So I think yep. if you, you could take take it back, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks again thank so much. It was, was nice really meeting fun. you. And thank you for the okay. cupcakes. They were awesome. So okay. Of course. You're welcome. Okay. All right. Bye, Bye. Devin. <laughs>